Ken Forrester, Executive Director at Momenta. Welcome to our Digital Thread Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry operators. We hope you find these podcasts informative. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to episode 188 of our Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. Today, I'm greatly pleased to host Dave Ayers, our newest strategy partner at Momenta. Dave brings over 40 years of senior leadership experience in R&D leadership across global engineering and business teams in water technologies, energy management, communication products and services with major technology companies from Nortel Networks to Alcatel Lucent to Xylem. He was most recently Vice President of Innovation Strategy and Partnership at Xylem, where he was responsible for enterprise-level strategic planning across Xylem, as well as for developing an ecosystem of alliance partners. Dave came into Xylem via its acquisition of Census, where he was VP of Global R&D, responsible for the technology strategy and product development for the smart metering portfolio worldwide. Dave holds a Bachelor of Engineering in Electronics from Carleton University. Dave, welcome to our Digital Thread podcast. Thanks so much, Ken. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to the discussion. As well, and I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Of course, I do greatly appreciate the fact that you've joined Momenta as of a recent as well. So this should be a great conversation on several topics. As you know, we call this the Digital Thread Podcast Series. And so I always like to ask the question up front, what would you consider to be your digital thread? In other words, the one or more thematic threads that define your digital industry journey. Yeah, it's a very interesting question. When I think back through my digital industry journey, I think of it in several phases. There's several foundational technologies that I had the opportunity to be involved with that were, I think, when I look back, necessary as enablers for the full range of IoT applications and services that we now think of when we talk of the digital industry. In my view, it started from the incredible pace of silicon technology back in the 80s and 90s, enabling enough computing capability to eventually be leveraged for remote two-way communications. That was initially mainly wireline, but then it was sort of cost-effectively integrated and deployed end devices for new voice and data applications. And at that same rapid pace of technology integration then enabled the wireless revolution with cost-effective wireless communication back in the 90s, just as importantly, the transition from analog to digital networks. And that revolution gave us cellular that brought larger scale data networks to both industrial and consumer applications and the ability to connect to millions of endpoints. And so we matched that up with then, I think back to the deployment of the internet back in the early 90s and the beginning of mass sharing of data. And then I, as I think back, the building blocks for the digital network were then in place. And then that same computing technology integration now started to allow enough intelligence at each endpoint of the network, not only for more and higher bandwidth levels to and from the network, but also for enough computing at the edge for monitoring, detection, control. And then I think we had the beginning of digital IoT networks at scale. That processing and communication continued to scale and MIPS 
number of endpoints and data rates, but then also enough security to allow the data intelligence to be cost-effectively centralized and data aggregation and software analytics to leverage that. And the opportunity was now here for cloud computing. And then we had the digital network to deploy almost infinite new applications, predictive analytics, digital twins, virtually anything and everything. So I think back to it in these sort of several stages over those 30 to 40 years. I like the way you've built up that, what I like to call generally full stack, if you will. And anybody who's worked in IoT appreciates from the sensor all the way up to the cloud, how relevant and important all of those various components are. But as I think you well said, as you talk about your own personal journey, there's only a handful of people who have really lived that from one extreme all the way to the other. And those tend to be those that are in really senior leadership positions when it comes to developing full stack solutions in there. So there's a lot of good conversations we'll have on that regard. I like that your engineering start really kind of started in the communication space. So senior leadership roles, Alcatel, Lucent, and, and uh, Nortel. Let me ask, how did this early experience really inform your views of smart and connected things? Yeah, I feel very fortunate thinking back. I wasn't sure what it would mean at the time, but when I started my career in, in telecommunications, and that was initially at Nortel Networks and then with Bell Labs and Alcatel Lucenta after that, I just feel very fortunate to have been able to participate in many of those enabling technologies we just spoke about. Even with the initial analog networks that were in place in the 80s, they had the scale to be across millions of people. And in fact, telecommunications industry, I think, was one of the drivers for mass deployment of new multi-computing architectures, because at the time, those were the largest networks there were. So those computing architectures were required to support that, as well as more powerful computing chips for small connected devices. And indeed, about the first 10 years of my career in telecommunications, it was all around new computing architectures, starting way back with 8085s and 68040s, and then new risk computing technologies and multi-computer technologies. Telecom was at the leading edge of adopting those. That industry then it focused on scaling up to support data, not just voice. And it was first with, for those that may remember this, for ISDN, but then wirelessly via cellular, like 3G spread spectrum technologies and 4G technologies. And so all of that came out of telecom. And the focus then correctly changed. Now that we had this network in place and scale and wireless connectivity, the focus really changed for more and more software applications across that network to leverage that data, not just voice between consumers and businesses, but data. And the communications industry had, as I look back, it turns out, was focusing on the right building blocks for the future IoT, even at a time initially when the internet wasn't yet widely available. So I just look back and probably didn't realize how fortunate I was at the time but it was the opportunity to just see these formative technologies for what is now connected networks and IoT across every industry. Well, perhaps I'm dating myself, but my first uh, with microprocessors was in 8085, and there used to be a thing called the SDK85, which you might have had as well with the <laughs> whole hex keyboard and everything else. So I Did greatly indeed. enjoyed that. What I just appreciate about what you said a moment ago is, you know, as you talked about kind of seeing these different waves and how you were part of those, you joined Census at a very formative time. 
And one of the largest wide scale or large scale use cases was smart metering at the time across the US and even in Europe. And so you were there really to kind of help create the foundation of that across smart water, electric and gas meter business in North America. Tell us a bit about your work there and some of the wins at the time. Yeah, it was interesting. Again, at the time, I thought, well, I'm moving from telecom to a completely new industry in smart metering. And I don't think I realized until a few months in just that the transition from telecommunications to census and how census was leveraging the very similar concepts. Telecom was a highly scalable two-way network, increasingly wireless, as we spoke about earlier, communicating data for a variety of applications. And Census was creating something very similar. They were creating and already deploying large networks. They already had deployments of several million meters in the US and Canada. And those were across wireless networks. They were dedicated industrial wireless networks, but they were very similar concept. And that was initially for remote monitoring, in this case, for energy or water billing for the utilities. But the concept of a scalable, secure, wireless network for an industry had so many similarities to telecom. And the opportunity as census involved was first continuing to upgrade the communications network for full two-way control and not just monitoring or billing readings, and especially using industrial levels of security, and then making sure that they had the scale and bandwidth to put other applications beyond smart metering that could then flourish on that network and offer more value to the utility customers. So that was the first opportunity that we worked on. The second was to allow that same level of network scale to be deployed in water and gas metering. It started in electric, but water and gas was also a very large opportunity. But that was also much more challenging because those devices have to be battery powered, remotely located, and they require highly efficient, low power, onboard edge processing and communications processing. So our next challenge was to get that same level of network intelligence and two-way secure communication to battery operated endpoints as uh, in this case, water and gas metering, but then it became all kinds of other monitoring control devices. And so when we had those network technologies in place and proven at scale, the promise of a true multi-application network could then be realized for other endpoints, such as monitoring control, electric distribution, water network leak detection and prediction in water networks, or detection of the risk of catastrophic pipe bursts in gas distribution networks. And all of those things could then be and were added to the census network and census portfolio. So, but by this time, we were quite proud by that time as census, I think probably uh, did and still does have the broadest set of smart grid applications in the industry. And then in fact, looking back, we already had ourselves an IoT network. And you mentioned about any other wins. One particularly nice win, we leveraged that technology because it was becoming quite evident that we were doing a lot with the smart metering network and turning it into a true smart grid. And that helped census at the time using that proven technology and demonstrated capability of an IoT network to new markets outside of North America. And the most significant one, looking back, that we were quite proud of at the time was a a win of the whole northern half of the UK. And that was in partnership with Arkiva, which is a 
large telecom infrastructure company there. And that's in deployment now. It's well past a million endpoints. And it's going to be one of, if not the largest smart grid network in the world. So that was something that we're particularly proud of at the time. There are people who accuse me of collecting people. (laughs) And it's interesting because you and I met literally across the table as Momento supported Xylem at the time during the acquisition of Census way back in 2016. What was very interesting is what the market saw as an acquisition of metering, which confounded, I think, some of the analysts at the time, given that Xylem's main focus was water, thus water metering. We saw as an acquisition of industrial-grade, full-stack IoT development house and solution. In that light, what were some of the key synergies that you saw that came ultimately from this marriage with Xylem? Yeah, I remember that well, Ken, and it's one of the reasons I really enjoyed working with you at the team at the time, because you were exactly right. The acquisition was much more about leveraging census technology for what it could be in industrial-grade IoT networks. Certainly, that includes metering, which is a critical application for utilities, but probably more importantly for the future potential, it really was for the capability of new monitoring control IoT applications across a variety of intelligent industrial applications, including what Xylem already were building. Xylem already had a rich suite of industrial products for water distribution, for treatment, for sensing, and they were becoming increasingly intelligent. And so matching up with Census brought leading technologies for connecting those devices to the network, which is right at the beginning of the stack we've been talking about to move into IoT, connecting those to the cloud, and then allowing data aggregation, new software analytics, data correlation for truly new intelligent solutions for Xylem customers. And so I think in essence, Census was bringing lead capabilities and technologies in network connectivity and cloud analytics to then bolster Xylem's growing portfolio of industrial measurement control and transport and treatment products for the water industry. So I think you were exactly right with what you saw at the time. There was a far greater potential that is now being deployed across that portfolio in Xylem than just bringing on a smart metering company. Mm. It's interesting. We do a lot of work with industrial OEMs, of course, and you are certainly part of that team now as well. But one of the challenges we have continued to see is as industrial OEMs bring on more digital capabilities or are asked to bring on digital capabilities, crossing that boundary from hardware to software is not easy. And certainly in the middle is electronics. And so Xylem very wisely picked up, you could say it was a very expensive aqua hire in some sense, but picked up the equivalent of having their own in-house full development team, everything from chips all the way up to, as you say, the wireless network and the cloud infrastructure. And I think that was an immense boost to the digitization efforts that uh, Jay Inger at the time was leading as chief innovation and technology officer. And so it's interesting to see how all of this has come together. And certainly the market has rewarded Xylem over the last several years or since the acquisition in terms of their digitization efforts overall. So maybe that's a good chance to kind of segue into your time recently at uh, Xylem. So you spent the last two years heading up innovation strategy and partnerships. Tell us, what was your remit here and what were some of your key accomplishments? Yeah, it was a fun transition, Ken, one I enjoyed a lot because when I first was uh, joining Xylem as part of that uh, acquisition of Census, 
I spent the first few years just making sure we were leveraging that census technology that we just spoke about, connectivity, RF engineering, software analytics into the best parts of Xylem. And then so after seeing that that was on a good path, there was a great opportunity to just move into a broader enterprise role at Xylem. And that was in the strategy and partnerships group that you mentioned. And it, that allowed me to learn and engage across virtually all of Xylem's portfolio and product teams. So well, well beyond just the census team or some of the other areas where they were leveraging census technology. And had the opportunity to work in both the traditional industrial ones, as well as the sort of flurry of newer digital analytics areas that are all across Xylem now. And as I mentioned, Xylem has had and has what I think is the broadest portfolio of products and solutions in the water distribution and treatment industry today. And not to mention how this can help in energy distribution, including electricity and gas. So what was most exciting to me was to help set a path across that portfolio of products, how we could get more of them as increasingly more digital solutions in the portfolio, how we could continue in the industry, making these products part of a connected digital IoT network for Xylem's customers. There was just so many leading products that then we could turn into intelligent endpoints in an IoT network and then allow the data between all of them to be shared into more powerful solutions and services. We also created an enterprise view of Xylem's digital technology stack mapping to critical technologies where there were strengths or areas that needed more focus, as well as identifying uh, focus areas for what should be more organic development or what should be also with an expanded set of ecosystem partners to accelerate the innovation for these solutions. So I think it was rewarding to see more and more of the products become part of connected solutions. It was rewarding to see sort of a blueprint and then a roadmap that was leveraging the breadth and the depth of the technology stack, and then also to help to foster new, more strategic partnerships with other strong ecosystem partners. Xylem's theme, if you will, is let's solve water. So we've often talked about the importance of water, but the past couple of years have certainly reinforced the critical importance of this precious commodity. Where do you see some of the largest opportunities remaining for us in water management? Yes, I think we all see, of course, the increasing criticality of the importance of water in both developed and developing countries and the key pillars of finding solutions that deal with water scarcity, including having safe, affordable drinking water for society as a whole, but also as well as having a resilient supply for industries. And, and these things I mean, have to be thought of as, as our most critical imperatives. When we tackle these pillars, I think we can also help contribute to another key imperative that sometimes people don't think about as much, which is sometimes referred as the, as the water energy nexus. The reduction of the energy and carbon footprint that water treatment and distribution currently requires is massive. Water and wastewater industries account for 75 billion kilowatt hours of electricity per year just in the U.S. And it's not uncommon to see that the water utility can often consume a third of a municipality's total energy budget. So there's a big opportunity in not only securing the supply of water, but also looking at the energy and the carbon footprint and opportunity to reduce that. Specifically in water networks, 
Many of these water networks can be 100 years old. They are aging. They are in need of not only efficiency improvement, if not significant repair and rework. It's not uncommon. Leaks in distribution and collection networks are significant. There's a a term in the water industry of non-revenue water, which really means the water that is lost before getting to the consumer. And it can be as high as 50% in major municipalities, including in large developed municipalities. So not only are we losing critical availability of water because it doesn't get to where it needs to be, but we're wasting all of that energy to treat and pump it to no avail. So that is the term non-revenue water and infill and infiltration are massive issues, but also great opportunities to improve the efficiency of the network and the energy required. And we've been talking about sort of the digital technologies previously and the technology to help these challenges I just mentioned is here. Some of the most powerful new solutions in the water industry leverage the digital maturity curve that is fundamental to IoT networks. So using our analogy of connected products, the potential of taking these products, whether they're water sensors or treatment products or intelligent pumps or metering and measuring control, getting those devices connected to the cloud and ability to create new autonomous solutions for the utilities that then serve their consumers and industries. So treating these products as a network of intelligent devices and analyzing the data from all of these products together as a solution can give powerful new solutions for our customers in efficiency, in leak detection, in digital twin modeling, in all kinds of things where it's now a solution that we're bringing to the utilities. I think that perspective is certainly apropos in your overall title, innovation strategy and partnership. So let's dig a little deeper into this idea of innovation strategy. How did you define innovation in the context of a large industrial OEM? Yeah, that's a broad question. I think most large industrials have similar challenges. They have an installed base of customers. They have a deserved reputation for products and services in their areas of competitive differentiation. And they're working to define not only how to continue to innovate for improved products, But also, increasingly, they must be looking at how to leverage the digital transformation potential to transition these products to new solutions for their customers. And that was certainly a major theme at Xylem as an industrial company as we look to not only improve products, but have them part of more intelligent solutions. And I think innovation, that has to be a main pillar of innovation. They certainly will and must continue to innovate in some of those critical areas. But they also have to be increasingly pivoting how they think of innovation to transition these products and the product roadmaps to more powerful solutions that leverage data and intelligence from their products into new solutions where the value is greater than the group of the individual products. So I think solutions that offer more powerful analytics for operational efficiency, for predictive maintenance, for early warning of significant failures that can be part of autonomous solutions and more energy efficient ones. And I think those themes for a a broader way of thinking of innovation, I would bet we would see across any major industrial OEM. So I like the themes the way you've laid them out there. Let's talk a little bit about kind of sources of innovation. Particularly, I've always liked this idea of outside-in innovation. So universities, startups, venture capital. Who in your mind is doing this well and what are some of the best practices you've seen? 
Yeah, I think this is one where I've seen a varied scale of it. Some large OEMs are doing it uh, more effectively than others. I would say, if I think of best practices, the overall best practice I've seen is understand your own enterprise in terms of the technical stack, whether it's products or services, and where you excel organically, where the gaps are, and then when to engage with a broader ecosystem of partnerships, whether that's for product leadership or it can be for channel expansion, or to find ways to leverage that stack for new ways of combining data for new solutions that weren't possible before. So I think it starts with looking at your own technology stack that is fundamental to the products and services you're putting together, and then look at it to help focus on where the areas of improvement are and where the areas of leveraging partners. That ecosystem of partners, uh, it will be symbiotic. You could be sharing product technologies, data from different products from different vendors. You can have and forge common customers. And it can be rewarding for everyone, especially the customers, because you're bringing together an integrated type of solution that perhaps they didn't know that was possible. So I specifically come to appreciate the importance of university partnerships, not just from the perhaps obvious benefit of early visibility to emerging and disruptive technologies and early stage research, but also to be connected to their ecosystem, their ecosystem of spin-off startups that are coming from those institutions, as well as connection to other public sector institutions and government agencies that are shaping the policies that we need to understand for our ourselves as an industrial OEM. I think, as I mentioned, sort of a spectrum of some companies have adopted this well, others are just now starting to see the opportunity. Certainly there are lots of companies doing it well. I think the number of the large cloud providers are quite successful at this to link new emerging companies and products that then become applications on their cloud. But they also have very strong partnerships with both everything from startups to large OEM enterprises. And But I think there's many other OEM industrial companies, including, I do believe, Xylem, uh, that definitely understand the strong potential for the power of outside-in innovation and partnerships. And you can see it on several of their you know, public domain marketing literature and websites on how they're putting a structured partnership program together whether that's technology providers or universities. So what are some of the trends that you're watching these days? Yeah, that's another broad question, Ken, but I think probably have a broad answer as well. But I'm watching anything that has the promise to address the critical needs that are important globally. Areas in water scarcity, applying technology to those, food scarcity, anything around helping with uh, decarbonization and linked to that climate change. I just think it's important, perhaps for me at my stage of my career, to know we're working on things that really make a big difference. And But this also could include anything that helps any industry to be more efficient, because that will help them in terms of their energy consumption, their carbon footprint, their water consumption, and their ability to be more carbon neutral. And I think it's just one of the fundamental challenges we have globally. And as a technologist, I know the opportunity is there to leverage more and more of these connected technologies together to make a difference. So I'm also watching the degree of acceleration of those digital technologies across sometimes very disparate industries that maybe weren't connected before and how we can be sharing metadata, 
and to then accelerate the success in these critical areas that I mentioned. Yeah, I like the way earlier that you defined kind of the water energy nexus and then wrapped around that a lot of potential sustainability benefits as well. And I agree with you, perhaps the, as you say, at this stage in your career, your best work is still ahead of you because the impact of those technologies to really help drive water savings, energy savings, and certainly the sustainability benefits that go with that. And we mentioned, you know, food sustainability, certain climate as well is all really kind of coming to bear in terms of how these networks all come together. So I think you're probably positioned for some great work ahead. And since you like all my broad questions, the final one I'm going to ask you is, where do you find your personal inspiration? Yeah. So as you mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast, I I spent the vast majority of my career in technology and product development areas. But as I uh, tell my kids, what's really been satisfying is I've had the privilege of working with incredibly smart people, ones that are creative, disruptive, often cleverly funny, but also humble to always learn new things. And I just have so much respect for seeing individuals who want to use their ingenuity to create new products or applications that provide value and make a difference. So the opportunity to work with people like that is a constant inspiration and makes me want to continue this for years and years. Hopefully you're positioned well to do that. And maybe that puts a little more light on my comment about collecting people. As I sat across from the table from you long ago, I said, that's a guy I would like to work with someday. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, Ken. Well, thank you. Dave, thank you for sharing this time and insights with us today. Yeah, thanks again, Ken. I really enjoyed our conversation and really looking forward to working with the Momenta team. Yes. Well, I enjoyed the conversation as well. And we are more than excited about having you as part of our team. So this has been Dave Ayers, strategy partner with Momenta. Thank you for listening. And please join us for the next episode of our Digital Thread podcast series. Thank you and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at Momenta.one for archive versions of podcasts, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.